Tired on ESN with Insomniacs Christina Warren and Brett Terpstra. What's up, Brett? Not much. How's it going? There's actually breaking news, and that's why we started recording a little late. And um, I'm a little bit flustered by said news. I, are, are you speaking about um, a 20 year old institution that is is ending this year? Yes, I am. I mean, the institution's not ending, but the host is. It's is, ending. Is, 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 you can't have the Daily Show without John Stewart. Uh, hi, Craig Kilborn. Yeah. It started with Craig. I know, it but it Kilby. wasn't The Daily Show until it was The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Like, I mean, I don't disagree. in my heart, it wasn't The Daily Show. No, you're, you're, you're right. So, so just to catch people up, if you uh, have been uh, not paying attention, uh, or maybe just are not a Jon Stewart fan, in which case, I'm really not sure why you're a fan of ours, because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem to me like the Venn diagram of, of, of liking things, like there would be a lot of non- John Stewart overtired fans. But John Stewart announced on uh, Tuesday that he is going to be leaving um The Daily Show at the end of the year. And um basically, you know, uh he's been doing it since 99, since January of 99, so it's just a little over 16 years that he's been hosting the show. It did start with Craig Kilborn, um I guess in 95 and and it was a good show, but it was not the show that we know and love as The Daily Show as Brett said. Um, I remember when he took over, and it was I was never really a huge Kilby fan. I mean, I liked him, but I wasn't like yeah, he was likable, but he wasn't. He was likable, but you know, I mean, he was he was a sports center guy. You know, yeah. he was fine. He was, but but John was just was special from the beginning. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I kind of uh, with with Colbert, you know, going. I know to it's like a double night, whammy. It is a double whammy because. At this point, I'm thinking, like, John Oliver is obviously the best thing happening in that sort of space right now, but that's on HBO. Like, you know, um, basically, like, Comedy Central is screwed. <laughs> totally, because after that, what do they have? Tosh? Exactly. They have Tosh, and they have, I guess, they have, like, like, like they have, like, a, um, Larry, uh, Larry Wilmer oh, or whatever. Have you watched that show? I have. I want to like it, but I I, I don't. Like it. I don't either. You know, he tries, and, and, and maybe it'll get better, but, you know, the, the Larry Wilmer show is just, I'm not... He's a not correspondent. A, he was great he as is. a correspondent, but... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and he was great as a correspondent, and it's just, um, he's not, um, you know, uh, able to really kind of carry the show. I wonder how John Oliver wound up on HBO. I really do, because, um, you know, all intents and purposes, I think that probably should have been... A um, a comedy is there show, a, yeah. is there a uh, dot matrix printer in the background? No, it's just that the, we've got a delivery order coming, and uh, so that's what that was. Apologies. <laughs> okay. Um. See, here's here's the reason that I'm a little bit happy about this news, though. Uh, why why is that? A few years ago, John Stewart did a series of of amazing interviews, not intentionally series, but back to back interviews that were biting and. They were witty, and he just, like, he took Fox News hosts, you know, to the mat, and he's lost that in recent years. He has slowed down. He's become, he can argue a point, but he's not as emphatic. He's not as passionate anymore, and I kind of, in the back of my mind, was thinking he should stop before it gets, before he becomes a parody of himself. Yeah, I mean, I think going out on top is a good thing. I mean, clearly, I think, you know, one of the greatest moments in Daily Show history, and it wasn't really on the Daily Show, but I guess but it was when Crossfire. Crossfire, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's like one of the greatest television moments ever. 
Yes. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, but obviously he and Colbert were both doing great things when they had their, their, um, their uh, red and blue tour across America, right. their, 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 their choice um, uh, campaign tour stuff. No, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I mean, he's, I think, become much more of a, of a media critic, and, and which has been great. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I think, it, although this week, you know, with the Brian Williams stuff, he was <sighs> totally nailing it. He was. And uh, I, the, j- jumping to that for one second. Yes. I, I hate that that's happening. I do too. I do too. I hate it. He's so uh, John uh, Brian Williams is going to be suspended for six months without pay from NBC News, which basically means we're never going to see Brian Williams. Right. On TV. That's the end of a career, right there. It's end of the career, and I hate it. I hate it because I'm a big fan of his. And he's the best anchor the news has ever had because he's funny. He's personable. He'll do appearances on late night television. He's funny and he has gravitas all at the same time. Exactly. And now that's all messed up. Now it's all messed up. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, at the beginning, I still kind of feel like he's getting a bum rap. You know I mean? People misremember things and, and people have. Dude, um... <laughs> My, I have the uncanny ability to do exactly what he did, where I, I will actually, things I wasn't even present for, I will hear a story and six, seven years later, it will be my story and I will not realize that I have done this. Like no, I, I can attest that it is entirely. I'm not excusing him. Uh, not at all. Not at all. I mean, and, and and from what it looks like, it seems like there's been kind of a history with him of maybe, yeah. you know, um, puppies uh, multiplying and whatnot. Exactly of, of of kind of you know bragging and kind of you know creating you know kind of hyperbole and 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 kind of saying more than 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 has been accurate. Um, and that's you know I think obviously it becomes like a, a bigger issue than just one story, which is what they found. But I mean, there was an article in. The New Yorker, which was published like right as this stuff was happening, and it was clearly in the works beforehand. But I'm, I'm thinking they probably published it timing wise, even though they didn't draw any attention to the to the Brian Williams stuff. I figured they probably were taking advantage of it, where they were. It was like this, you know, the scientific um, studies on on faulty memory, and it was really interesting because, um, you know, basically it was just showing, hey, you know, this is like a real thing, where especially in traumatic situations, people's uh, memories are often very, very different than um, what they would think. You know, people would swear that certain things happen, and then they just didn't. And uh, it's a very common thing, especially for for traumatic situations or or when people have witnessed things. So there was a a challenge. There was a study, I think, at Emory where they were like looking at people's memories of the Challenger explosion in '85. Yeah, and you know, um, they asked you know students two days or the day after it happened to write things down, and then had them revisit it two years later and the recollections were almost nothing alike. Right. And uh, so, I mean, you know, on the one hand, I think you, it's a shame that basically his career is over and he's been such a great anchor and and a great newsman. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's stunning. I, you you know what the worst thing about faulty memory is? What's that? It's when it's, it's not when you superimpose yourself into other memories. It's when you superimpose the wrong people into your memories. Yeah. That gets people really upset, especially if the other person is a previous girlfriend. <laughs> and I do this all the time. Like, I, I, I have to be hesitant to bring up any, hey, remember when stories, because I always forget who was actually there. <sighs> There's a great Bob's Burgers about that Valentine's Day episode, um, which uh, is coming up as we're as we're um, recording this, where um, Bob 
um, wants to get uh, Linda the perfect Valentine's gift, so he wants to buy a love tester machine. Oh, that's right. That that uh, they were at when when he realized he was in love with her, and then he 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 pays all this money for the machine, and then he realizes after it's too late that wasn't even <laughs> Linda, that was somebody else. That's exactly and, my life. My wife yeah, had a good laugh over that one. Um, I bet. Uh, yeah, no, I I've been fortunate. I haven't really made those mistakes relationship wise. Although sometimes I've certainly made the mistakes that where you think that people are there when they're they're not there. I haven't haven't made that mistake relationship wise so much, but that's definitely one of those um, painful things. Um, one of my favorite books ever is John Krakauer's Into Thin Air, which uh, he wrote about the the ninety six Mount Everest disaster. Yeah, and that. Um, book there was in in his outside um magazine article which which preceded the book um and and it you know had many of the same things that he wrote right after the incident he had some things wrong and one of those things was he thought that he had seen one of the men that perished in um the the storm he thought he had seen him crossing over the base camp and that maybe he just like walked off a cliff or something walked off the wrong way and, and, you know, he told people that and the family thought that's what happened. And then it turned out he was, you know, doing interviews for his book and realized it was actually somebody else that he talked to. And, you know, in that situation, you've got not just false memory, but you've got, you know, hypothermia and you've got like, uh, you know, uh, people being really cold and you've got, you know, oxygen deprivation because he went extenuating circumstances. Down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he basically went down the mountain during, you know, a huge, horrific snowstorm without any oxygen come kind of, you know, his, his oxygen wasn't really uh, there. And, and so, you know, you had all kinds of issues that not to mention stress. Um, but, you know, people were really upset by that. And, and people to this day who um, are defenders of the, the climber who he was particularly um, kind of critical of in, in his behavior. Um, and, and he's critical, not in like blaming the guy. It wasn't the guys. It wasn't, it wasn't the climber's fault. The guy's dead. Now he died a couple kind of a couple years after Everest in a, in an avalanche or, or something. Um, but he, um, you know, was, was critical of some of the actions of some of the procedures and policies and people who are defending that guy, like point to, you know, Krakauer, like not having everything exactly right in his outside article as like proof that he's, you know, like not reliable and things like that. And, and, you know, that becomes like the hard thing with any of this is it's like memory is so tenuous, um, but we expect it to be perfect. And that's the, and that's weird to me. Like I'm told that there's research in cognitive science that implies that the actual memories are stored like permanently for us. But we right. don't we don't access them like we get glitches in like the nodal access of those memories. And I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I personally can attest to the fact that memory is it's very malleable. Like you can. Yeah, you can. Someone else can change your memories like all these Absolutely. all these behavioral experiments they did in the 60s, like with basically changing memory. Like you change what change what happened in a person's mind and you control that person. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, and and that's that is something that they've they've done all those studies on, and and even probably still such, doing them, but oh, completely. I mean, I'm sure Facebook is probably doing those things to us right now. You know, but, but, but I, I'm 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 not even really completely joking. But you know, just by suggesting things or just saying, oh, you know, you've looked at something in a certain way. Oh man, um, that tie- you know, hearing a certain music, right? That ties. Like, you know, we always talk about the balance between convenience in advertising and privacy. Yes. And that's exactly the line is you, you're making 
small hints to make someone's buying decision easier, but at the same yes. time, you are modifying their own perceptions and their even their own memories. That's insidious. Yeah. I mean, that's what advertising is. Let's not kid ourselves. You're, no, no. The no, entire no, goal of the advertising is. industry is to modify your perception of something. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's to change your behavior, right? I mean, and, and good advertising is obviously better about it than, than others. You know, but yeah, I mean, the best things is, are those, you know, the most effective advertisements are usually those where somebody can have a personal connection to the advertisement. It either conjures a memory or, or makes them long for something, you know, um, you know it is, is aspirational or something else, you know, to, to, to get all madmen on you. But yeah, um, no, I mean, I'm sure that, that a lot of these social networks and a lot of these tools, I mean, Google must if they wanted to google could probably do a number on on us when it comes to you know convincing us that that our memories work a certain way yeah or or that we're remembering certain things you know given the market saturation that google has they could probably uh they could probably change an entire country's memory collectively of an event over you know (laughs) give them a week of dropping like just insinuations and I, I suppose you could say the same is true of MSNBC and Fox, too. Yeah, no, totally. Well, uh, which, I mean, that's kind of what they do. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, 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 I mean, honestly, the line between propaganda and, and, and news and other things is, is really, really uh, small in some cases. But no, I mean, that's how, like, history, you know, you think about that propaganda plays such a big part in it. The images we see that are shown over and over again, you know, the, the phrasing of certain things. And it's like then then a moment becomes indelible in our minds of having happened a certain way and that we become part of that you know yeah especially when you're the generation after yes and your memories are based on what they teach you in school exactly it's really easy to change history at that point right or or, or your memories are are literally the the images you saw you know the television things right you know I mean, but because it's funny, too, because even certain things like watching TV enough times, like I know like when I think of the Grand Canyon, I, I've been to the Grand Canyon, I've seen the Grand Canyon, uh, but I, I think I go back to the Brady Bunch episode. Like, that's my first image of the Grand Canyon. You know hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely know what you're saying. You threw me off with the Grand Canyon thing because I had, uh, as, a, as a kid, I rode a, a mule all the way down the Grand Canyon to the Havasupai village. Just like they did on the Brady Bunch. It did they? Because I don't remember this they episode. Did. But that's my memory of the Grand Canyon. And I will always see the Grand Canyon from the bottom, not the top. I suppose that's, that's, really that's part of it, though. Like, th- There's a certain... You can't... I think it takes a lot of effort to change a memory that you experience firsthand, as opposed to what we're talking about now, where you create the memory. Yes. Creating memories is easy. We just watched Harry Potter, I think it was the sixth one, the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. And they had that whole ba- like basin of memories. I don't know the <laughs> plots. I don't follow this stuff. But like he was like basically collecting people's memories in a pot, uh, Dumbledore was. And it was the same kind of thing where the memories could be tampered with. They could be modified. It's freaky stuff. This isn't in the show notes. What are we doing? I know. It's almost like we talk about things that we don't plan out. I was sitting by a fire eating a tasty pot pie dinner, and <laughs> then I thought, oh, it's time to record Overtired, and I decided, despite being extremely comfortable, that our audience was important enough that I should take a few minutes out of my comfortable evening and really 
you know, talk about the important pop culture issues of the evening. Yes. I feel like I owe that to society. I don't know why. I, I think that you do owe it to society. And yes. Can I say... All of those things. Can I say that... Um, I'm, let, me, let me try to phrase this without using any F words. Um, okay. Kanye West is an idiot. <laughs> I love Kanye. Uh, okay. Um, um, Beck, Beck clearly deserved that win. Yes, he did. So, so what we're talking about now is, is the Grammy Awards. And uh, Beck won the uh, Album of the Year Award. And Kanye fake bum-rushed the stage as he did with our heroine. Which would have been a funny joke. And it was when he did it. What, what, so he fake bum-rushed the stage. And then it, you can see the reaction of Jay-Z and Beyonce who are freaking out because they're like, not again. And then he's just kind of like, no, nah, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But then afterwards, he goes on E! Where he did tell the E! Network that the Kardashians should get a piece of the network since they've made the network. He's not wrong there. <laughs> and he's, he's talking to E and he's talking his mouth off and he's doing Kanye. And he starts talking about how Beck should respect artistry. And if he really respected artistry, he'd give the, out, he'd give the award to Beyonce. He later clarified his remarks in fairness and said he was talking about the Grammys, not Beck in particular. But lots of Beck fans, which I take it, I'm one, I know I've seen him in, in concert a few times, I'm a big Beck fan. And, but lots of Beck fans, and I, and I take it also you, Brett, have taken umbrage with Kanye being Kanye and uh, uh, making that comment and, and, and daring to, uh, to say, to insinuate that Beck was somehow undeserving of the award. Well, and, and because it blew up into this big online flame war. Yes. And you, you know, honestly, Beyonce doesn't need Kanye's no, she help. No, she doesn't. She really does not need his and help. And I think at she's all. fully aware that a song about flipping her foot around doesn't come close to the song that Beck won for with like lyrics that you can actually read without having to have a beat behind them and like actual musical instrumentation and it didn't rely on dance numbers and I if you're going to talk about artistry if that's the claim you're going to lay down, <laughs> it's totally false. <laughs> Agreed. No, I mean, I think Beyonce's an artist. I think she's amazing. I, I, but I, I also think Beck is an amazing artist. And, and that certainly was, he picked the wrong example to go after. He did. If he could have gone after anybody else. What I do think, what does trouble me, though, is that I wish everybody could be more like Beck. And I mean this in every single way. Because Beck handled this whole thing to me with such grace and such like likability. It just made me like Beck more. Oh, yeah. Because Beck's reaction was, first of all, he was he like, He waved oh, him want- up on the stage. He did. And then he said afterwards, he was like, how many great albums has he put out in the last five years? He should have been up there. I love him. He's, he's great. And then when he was asked about Beyonce, and did you think Beyonce should have won? He says, yeah, I think she should have won. I mean, come on. She's Beyonce. Right. He said he totally he, expected her to win. He was amazed. He totally amazed. expected her to win. He was amazed. I mean, and he handled it so well. He didn't, you know, address any of the other criticism because it's beneath him. He, he doesn't have to prove his artistry. He is, he's a, a mother-effing artist. You know what I mean? Well, it only like, took him, what, 20 years to get to a Grammy? I guess. He wasn't, Odelay, wasn't Odelay 20 years ago? It was. It was, but it was 21 years ago. But huh. I thought he'd won Grammys before that. I don't think he ever won best song or best album. No, no, definitely not that. Definitely not that. But, um, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't followed. I only follow the big, the big awards, um, and only when there are artists that I care about. And if you ask me the history of best song awards over the last five years, I wouldn't probably be able to remember one of them. No, no, without a doubt. And, and, uh, you know, Adele, um, 
But no, he. Um, I'm trying to look. He's won. Grammy Awards has given him six awards from 17 nominations. Uh, so he got Where It's At got Best Rock Vocal Performance. Odelay won uh, the award for Best Alternative Music Performance. And I'm looking this up right now. Um, Odelay was nominated for Album of the Year, did not win. Uh, but yeah, uh, Best Album of the Year um, uh, Rock Album and, um, you know, Best Engineered Album Non-Classical. It, did get, it got Album of the Year Rock? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, screw him. He doesn't need another one. He's good. He's <laughs> fine. No, that last album, though, like... I, I feel like he, he really demonstrated that he grew as a musician. And while I didn't, I didn't, I listened to the last album streaming. I didn't buy it. Like, I wasn't so blown away by it that I had to get it. I feel like my, my affection for Beck is, is the fact that he continued to grow and continued to build. And award shows have never been his priority. No, never. Even, like, MTV videos have not been his priority. Even no. a public face. Like, he tours still. He plays real shows. He does. Shows. And he tours really well. He does. He's, a, he's great live. I've seen him live a number of times. He's really, really good. Puts on a hell of a show. They Might Be Giants is coming to Minneapolis. Are you going to go? I kind of... I want to, but I don't like the venue. Ah, that's so it's, always tough. it's a split for me. It's like, I love They Might Be Giants, but I love them as, like, a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. And... I, I don't know. I don't know if I love them enough as an adult to go deal with a venue that I've kind of decided I'm done with. No, I mean, that makes sense, especially. No, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. Um, it's not like they're Taylor Swift or something. <laughs> I would not. You, As much as I do enjoy Taylor Swift, you would never catch me at a Taylor Swift I, show. I, I know I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. I, Mostly I mean, because of the audience, not because of the artist. Completely. I mean, it. Look, I'm going to be going to New Jersey in July for a Taylor Swift show, and I know it's going to be horrific in a lot of respects, but I'm so excited I can't even believe it. Um, speaking of which, uh, 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 one of our uh, Twitter followers, one of our listeners, um, shared with us the amazing um, Perfect Drug uh, Shake It Off yes. mashup. That was really good. It was really good, and we got it early. Like he shared it with us, like before it totally went viral, and then I saw it everywhere. Like yeah. it was pretty early when we saw it, so that was pretty awesome. That that was amazing. That was another one in the in the vein of the uh, Dom Peter. Uh, the which one was it? It was uh, Call Me Maybe and Head yes. Like a Hole. Call Me a Hole. Yes, Call Me a Hole. I love these. I love any of the the, the Nine Inch Nails kind of pop mashups. Yeah, there are um, some, and not specifically Nine Inch Nails ones, there are some that are just, they don't work. Exactly. Those two, like the, the, the Call Me a Hole and this, the new, like, what's it, Taylor Swift and... Uh, and Perfect Drug. Perfect Drug, right. Like, that, those two actually felt like they could have been released as songs. Yes. They worked really well. No, I mean, at this point, like, honestly, like, could you imagine a better collaboration than Taylor and, and, and Trent? I actually, I don't know if I could off the top of my head, and normally I would have a sarcastic reply to that. No, I think they would, would actually be awesome. genuinely, I think genuinely they would be amazing together. I think they're both fantastic musicians, and they would do amazing things together. Um, the one good thing that, that happened with Kanye at the Grammys, other than insulting, obviously, you know, putting on Beck and all that drama, he and Taylor made up. Um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I care at this point. I mean, about I their relationship. I was just excited that they that they hugged and got and got photos together. I was very excited. But do you think they went out for drinks later? 
No, but 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 Gawker did find Taylor ordering Jay Z to brunch. Ordering him. Yes, she says we need to get brunch, and he's just like looking at nothing. She says brunch, and then she turns again and says brunch like five times, and he's got this look on his face where he knows he's gonna wind up at brunch with Taylor Swift. He and Beyonce are gonna wind up at brunch with Taylor Swift, and 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 it is gonna be uncomfortable for him, but he's gonna be there because I, if Taylor Swift invites you to brunch, I don't care who you are, you show up. I have tried that with Jay Z before. Have you? I have, and uh, I did it not work. Well, he has bodyguards. <laughs> he has like an entourage, makes it really hard to force brunch on him. I don't know if I could have gotten to him personally, maybe it would have been a different story. But I was gonna say, yeah, she got to him personally, so no, I don't have that access. Yeah, no, I mean that's the whole thing. It was uh, it was pretty great though. Uh, oh, dude! So- speaking of mashups, did you ever hear the Gray album? Yes. Oh my god, that was one of my favorite things ever. That was like it's the only reason I like Jay Z now. Um, that was, was really a great turning point. And, um, also, did you ever hear his, uh, ever listen to his mashup that he did with Linkin Park? I heard that. I, I'm such it an anti-Linkin Park person. Though. I know, I know, but, but it was really good. Like, their, their, their together was, like, super, super, super good. Like, their, their thing of, like, you know, a dirt off your shoulder and, and, um, uh, one of the Linkin Park songs. Like, it's really just, it's awesome. But no, the, 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 the Grey album you know, Danger Mouse uh, did it, uh, remixing the White Album and the Black Album together, is, like, truly one of, like, the best things that's happened, like, in the last... And I'm pretty sure Jay-Z made every effort to squelch that album. Yes. But... Or his label did. But, no, I think he actually was commented or was on record as liking it. I think he actually dug it. It was amazing. I think his record label was, like, probably not thrilled. I know that the the Beatles people were not thrilled. (laughs) Sony, the white donors, they were, like, not thrilled. The Beatles are never thrilled. uh, The Beatles... Legacy is never right. thrilled about any use of the Beatles. But for anyone who hasn't heard it, DJ Danger Mouse mashed up the entire white album with the entire black album from Jay Z. So good. And so good. I shouldn't say the entire, like it's all mixed mis- yes. mixed and matched, but each one song per one song, like one to one, and did an entire album. And uh, 99 Problems was <laughs> just great. So amazing. So amazing, and it it just oh, Nine Am Problems is a great song. And then remember remember when Jay Z retired? Like after that, like he retired, and then we were like, he like did his whole like I'm, I'm done thing, and then he came back like after two years. And, and that's like, that is why that is the only reason why I, I respect Motley Crue right now. Because <laughs> they've never bothered to no no when they did their press conference a week or two ago, they brought out a lawyer with ironclad legal contracts that everyone in the band signed that said they could never use the name Motley Crue, never tour as Motley Crue, never play a Motley Crue song again. Wow. After the end of their current tour, they will cease to be Motley Crue, and Motley Crue will never have in 20 years when they're all old. They will never play a state fair. They will never go on another Rolling Stones tour. They are done. And that is pretty... That's the first time any rock band that I know of has ever said, okay, we're, we're quitting while we are, we're quitting before we're way behind. We'll say that. And we're just, we're, we're, we don't want to see ourselves as ghosts. I mean, gee, Mick Mars is already a ghost of himself. But anyway, I, I, I can respect, because you hear, you hear a musician say, okay, we're retiring, we're done. And two years later, you know there's going to be a reunion tour or like a comeback tour. And it, totally. you just don't, you don't hear the words anymore. 
No, I was going to say, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm shocked that they, I, I can't believe they all agreed to do that because of all the money they're putting, they're, they're giving up. Yeah. You know, I because, mean, they... because in a few years, I mean, look, I mean, at this point, I'm just saying like, it's going to, what's going to happen is that it's, it's going to be like, somebody's going to get poor and be like, we need, you know what I mean? Like you're leaving money on the table. I mean, they that- can still be themselves based on the reputation they gained as '80s hair metal band. Of course, but they can't perform their songs. Like that's kinda- they can write new stuff if they have any talent at all. If any of them individually have talent, they could still. But we know that none of them do. Well, that's not entirely true. <laughs> Tom- Tommy Lee is more than just a large penis. He was a- uh... he was a great drummer, and he could do it upside down. I know, but then, and I'm talking look, about playing drums. I, I know, look, not Pamela gave, Anderson. He gave her, he gave her hepatitis, dude. Yeah, like, well, dude, <laughs> they're probably responsible for a good portion of the VDs. On, I was going to say on the West like, Coast, at least. Yeah, but yeah, there are so many. Like I saw a video of, um, who was it? Um, son of a. Why am I blanking on the name of the band that they got in a lot of fights with the Sex Pistols? They all did cross dressing as part of their show. Oh my god. They did uh um personality crisis. Son of how how do you forget this kind of thing? New York Dolls. Yes. I saw them on like uh I saw a video of them. I didn't go to a state fair to see this, but they played a state fair show and they're all like they're ancient. They're they look they're still in drag but they look like um like very old uh drag queens <laughs> that's the best way i could put it it was just horrible it was it was sad it it tarnished their legacy of carefree cross-dressed punk rock yeah no i mean i mean and what you basically kind of just described was steel wheels notwithstanding the, the what's become of the rolling stones yeah yeah, very much. I mean, so. it's, I mean, you know, I, I went to the Voodoo Lounge tour when I was like eleven years old, and it was a BFD, and my parents were super excited. I didn't really care, you know, um, and uh, it was fine, but it wasn't like you know the Steel Wheels like Urban Jungle tour was like this amazing thing, and like it was really well received, and it was like they're back. And the Voodoo Lounge was just kind of like I was like, what's up with these? It, it was kind of sad and pathetic, and that's kind of how i see the stones now is they're kind of sad and pathetic it's like really i'm pretty really? sure that keith richards isn't actually alive i his book have his his biography is so incredibly good it, it, i haven't read it was it ghostwritten uh yeah i can't imagine him sitting at a keyboard or a typewriter called life and it's uh it's by james fox it's it's uh james fox i guess was was the co-writer it's it's seriously like an absolutely fantastic book. Hmm. I might have to check that out. We should put that in the show notes so I remember to link it. I was going to say, I'm just putting that in right now because it is, it's really, really good. Okay. Throw the gray album in there too and I'll find a yep. link for some version of it. Um, while we're on music, have you heard the song in the background? It's the following. That's the Kevin Bacon show, right? The following? Yes. They, they, the new season has a trailer that runs on Hulu, and there's a song in the background of it, and it took me a couple times hearing it to place the lyrics, and it's this really creepy song, and it's really, 
stalkerish and then i realized the lyrics are from blondies one way or another yes they're so it's so good and i i, I did a search for it and i found uh it's by Un- until the ribbon breaks one way or another and it's you take the lyrics of that song and you slow them down and you say them in a stalker voice and they're scary <laughs> one way or another i'm gonna find you i'm gonna get you yeah it's good stuff it is it's really good stuff um no i uh oh when 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 uh when trent reznor did physical by adamant yes that song like that i had always kind of liked that song but when trent did it it was track 99 on broken and on the nine inch nails broken record and uh it was right after he did the um my brain's not working tonight. Track ninety eight was a, it was a song by by Pigface that I, I that he had written with Pigface, but then track ninety nine was this Adam Ant cover, and it was so good. He made it so heavy and so dark. It was just it was beautiful. I like a cover that completely changes the uh, context of a song without changing the words. Same, same. Uh, uh, speaking of really good covers, it doesn't totally change the context, but it's fantastic. Uh, Hozier uh, covered Ariana Grande's uh, problem. I haven't heard this. And it's uh, it's incredible. He did it for the live lounge, and it's one of the best things um, I've ever heard because it's so incredibly good. Like he took kind of a, a decent pop song, but like whatever, and made it rocking. Like he made it, like he because he's got so much raw talent. It's just. Did he come uh, away with a Grammy? I know he I was up for a couple. He was up for a couple. I don't think that he did. That's probably okay. He's he doesn't have the. I I've never heard of him until this year. Like there are there were artists up against him that I felt were deserving, even if his stuff this year was better. Does that make yeah, sense? No, Am I biased? Uh, no, I'm biased. Totally. No, you know what? He's he he he's gonna he he was nominated for song of the year, but no, he's gonna end up get winning getting his due. Plus, he got to perform with Annie Lennox. Yay. That's kind of crazy. Awesome. I didn't. I, I didn't watch any of this, so I might have to go look up that performance. Though. Yeah, they they did take me to church, and I put a spell on you together, <gasps> and it was really awesome. Did you ever hear the the I put a spell on you version that had, oh, it had Nick Cave, Nick Cave, and uh, um, the singer from the Pogues. Why I cannot remember a damn name tonight. Um, and it had Kylie Minogue, and it had it, there were like eight different artists in on this version of I Put a Spell on You. Have you ever heard that? I have not. I'm going to, uh, I will not. find that. I will link it. It's, it's so good. If you like any single artist on there, it's super good. I, I like, I like everybody you mentioned. So I, I'm down with that. Down with that. So, um, Valentine's Day. I, I got smart this year and I went to Etsy and, uh, and let people with more, more, uh, romantic tastes than I have do my, shopping for me so i i ordered um i've ordered a lot of things i even bought valentine's day presents for my dog because i had this like i don't know romantic uh clarity of mind for a little while um but i ordered up chocolate heart like it, it's a hand-painted heart like about six inches by six inches uh chocolate uh case that holds bond like um where where are my words where are they what do you what do you call a little piece of chocolate? Um, I don't know, like a like a starts candy? with a B. Starts with a B. 
Oh, um... Stupid words. Whatever. It, it holds little pieces of chocolate inside of it. This will come to me. I'll remember the word, and I'll be like, ah. Oh. But anyway, I got it, and it was cracked in half. A bonbon? No, that was what my, that's what I almost said, but it's, it's, a, it's a better word. Um, but I got it, and it was cracked in half when I opened it because it's like negative 10 degrees outside, and no matter how carefully they packed it, it would have been, it would have just frozen and then cracked. But I wrote them, and I told them that my heart was broken, and they are first overnight shipping me a, a replacement for free. That's awesome. That is. Even if the next one breaks, I'll just give my wife two broken hearts and tell her that to make a hole. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. And I got her a card that when you open it, uh, uh, a paper cut bouquet. Open, like, like, you know, like pop-up book when you're a kid. Except this opens up to a full bouquet and it's all just like cut paper. It's beautiful. I'm not even going to write anything on it. I'm just going to give it to you. I'll write something. I'll put my name on it. Love, Brett. But I don't want to tarnish it. It's so gorgeous. That sounds nice. And I think it's actually going to make me look good this Valentine's Day. No, I think you're going to look great, actually. And that's what I was going to kind of segue into. Like, you're, I think you're actually doing really, really well. It sounds like you've got your, your ish together this year. But I know you wanted to talk about, like, Valentine's Day uh, uh, horror stories. Well, see, and the, the thing is, I don't have a specific, like horrible incident i just have a long series of valentine's days that made me feel like a failure because there comes an age where you can't just buy someone flowers right and it just doesn't work anymore you have to put more thought into it and you have to pay attention to the other person and know like in advance what would make their day and i'm not great at paying attention to anything Or remembering anything. But this year, yeah, I for some reason, I'm getting better at this. That's good. Have, do you have any disastrous stories? Not really a lot of disastrous ones, but I'm kind of like you. You know, sometimes I'm not great at the romance thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not terrible at it. My heart's in the right place. But I don't execute as well. <laughs> well, I think, I think you and I both kind of take it as a joke. Like the whole idea of Valentine's Day. It's kind yes. of um it's it's very easy to not take it seriously. And I I'm fine with that, but my my partners are not always okay with making light of what is supposed to be a romantic day. Yeah, no. And <laughs> and I mean, you know, Grant and I we're we're pretty good. I mean, he knows how much I love him and and I know how much he loves me and he's always really great. But it's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, you know, um, hmm, you know, uh, feel some obligation. It's not, I don't feel obligation. I mean, at all. Cause I want to show him how much I care. I just don't always do it. Maybe the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not always great at it. I try real hard, but also it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, we tell each other, we love each other all the time. I kind of don't understand like why this day has to be any more special because like, anniversary chocolate is- sales would plummet. Actually, chocolate sales are at an all-time high. We're running out of chocolate. Right. I mean, I was going to, you know, our, our anniversary um, of us being together is in March, and our wedding anniversary is in April. And so, you know, for me, and his birthday is at the end of February. Wow, that's so three like, in a row. Exactly. And his, 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 his birthday is at the end of February. So, like, there are all these moments, you know what I mean? Like, I've got, like, a lot of... Yeah, that's too much stress. 
so I've got all these things I've got to kind of spread out. So Valentine's Day sometimes ends up getting the short stick. I would totally forgive you for that if I had that many uh, important kind of occasions lined up. Month, yeah, because month. like, because to me, like his birthday is way more important, and then obviously like our 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 anniversary, and then our our wedding anniversary, like those are more important too. So since they're all so close together, I'm just kind of like, ah, you know. Yes. How long have you been married now? So it'll be three years in April. Wait, three years? No, what? two years. No, three years. Are you serious? Three years. Yeah, it'll be three years in April. Because was I married already when you got proposed to? Uh, we were, he proposed I was, me wasn't t- I? Yeah, because it was, it was six years. It's been six years since he proposed. And I was already married. Wow. It, it, like, my, again, this is my memory. Like, I was <laughs> thinking you've been married longer than I have, but it's going to be 10 years for me this year. Yeah, no, I mean, we've been together. It, it, it's going to be seven years in um, March, but we've been married. It'll be three years in April. Wow. Well, congratulations on three years. Thank you. Well, congratulations on 10. It, That's... it gets really good after five. If things go well. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that's it gets, what I'm hoping. Like for me, like marriage got cooler every year. And then like at five was when I felt like we were actually married. Like we were actually partners and we were in it for the long haul. And I felt like complete faith in the relationship. Not because of a specific period of time had passed, but just because it had been long enough that I really, I wasn't worried anymore. I had like no right. concerns. Five years was good for me. Ten years is great. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying those first getting through those first five years. It's a it's a building and growing experience. And the weird thing is, I don't believe in marriage. (laughs) I think I think it's a construct of a capitalist society and 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 cannot connotes ownership of women. And the entire contract just seems like uh, a waste of time to me. And the only reason to perpetrate it is taxes and hospital visitation rights. But that being said, I am a fan of monogamous relationships and dedicated yes. partnerships. And, and, and I feel like my wife and I both kind of share that feeling. And we got married to make things official in the eyes of our parents and everything. But we're not in it because we feel bound by a religious, <laughs> a religious mm-hmm. ritual that has, you know, perpetuated all kinds of awfulness throughout history. But, um, but I do support Love. I like love. I love love. That was a weird diatribe to go off on. No, I think it was a good one, though. I enjoyed that. Hell, I went back to vegetarianism this week. Did you? Yeah. We won't get into the gruesome details, but I, I, mean, I, get, I stopped being a vegetarian because I read an article that justified um, the change of heart for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I did, and I still feel like at that point in my life it was justified, and I read another article this week, last week, um, that once again brought facts to light that I couldn't refute and that made me not want to take part in the world meat industry anymore. And so after 17 years of being a vegetarian, and then I think probably five years of being a, a carnivore, I'm back to not officially declaring myself vegetarian but not ex- not eating meat in my daily life. Now, is, is your wife a vegetarian? We have followed the same path. We were both vegetarian when we met. We both kind of gave up vegetarianism within about six months of each other. Um, both We both came to the same conclusions. And she kind of has been leaning towards going back to vegetarian uh, for a while now. 
and uh, she's been fine with me going ahead and, and having the occasional steak and as long as I'm conscious of where my meat is coming from. And then we both, we read this article and we were both uh, kind of on the edge anyway. And it, yeah, now we're both back to vegetarian. Not vegan, but not far from vegan because a lot of what's wrong with the meat industry is also wrong with the dairy industry. It it It, it is, but I, I don't know. I, I can't do the vegan or the vegetarian thing. I, I understand and I respect it. Well, you can, you can do, you it. Can do Taco Bell for Christ's sake. I can. I've never they been can. able to do Taco Bell. No, I can totally do Taco Bell. And the thing is, is that I, I completely understand and actually respect people who have, like, the real political, like, motivate, like, have, like, a really, like, moral, like, sense of, like, right and wrong. See, and, like, Taco Bell's not this. moral for me. Taco Bell is, it's just shitty food. I'm not saying it's good food. <laughs> I'm saying it tastes good, but I'm not saying it's good food. But the thing is, what I'm saying is I can respect, like, like that, like, people who, I respect people who make dietary decisions for whatever reason they want, like... I, I'm all for it. I just personally, like, I'm not at that point where my morals or, or my, I guess, I, it, just, it just isn't one of those things for me. But I totally respect people who make those decisions. Well, like, I appreciate your respect. Than me. I'm not going well, to try respect. to convert you. No, I mean, I, you don't need my appreciation. I mean, obviously, you can do what you want to do. It's a free, you know, free society. But what I'm saying is, is that I wish I were a good enough person to be vegetarian. I'm just not. And it's just not one of those things for me. But I, but, there's parts of me that wish, you know, like in theory, I'm like, you know what? I understand the points these are making and I, and I understand, you know, the, the ramifications and, and, and the environmental impact and other stuff. What is interesting to me are, are kind of the, the, these movements where, you know, like the people who are doing the, the egg free mayonnaise, where they're basically creating like the, the eggs in labs and the mayonnaise yeah. and, and labs, the just mayo stuff and the, uh, um, the plant burgers. Yeah, well, but the, yeah, where well, they're basically recreating cow stomachs and like making yeah. beef that tastes and looks like beef, like that's amazing. See, to and me. I'm like fine that. with that. And it's for me, it's not even about the animals so much. I'm okay with right. humane death of an yes. animal. I, I am okay with. It. I've become okay with that. But I am not okay with you know mass slaughterhouses and things like that. No. For me, though, it really is environmental impact. Yes, it's it's looking at the choices I make in the food I eat do actually affect the next generation of humans. And to me, yes. that's a way easier moral decision than the whole, like, I won't eat anything with eyes kind of thing, because I don't care that much about even other people. Like, that sounds horrible. That sounds like psychopath, but, like, I, it's not a matter of I feel bad. It's a matter of I would like this planet to be able to function for more than just my lifetime. Right. It's it's about it's not caring about individuals, it's about having like a future. Yeah. A future for maybe a generation that's less stupid than the last three have been. Last ten, yeah. last five humanity in general. I don't know. Someone called this clueless on Twitter and it's probably because I say things like that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like he's listening anymore anyway. You know, he gave us a good uh, a good five tries or so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know why now I that let that guy under my skin. No, I, I was going to say, like, you, you, you and Moise asked both. I, like, I wasn't bothered by it. I was just like, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but but there's, there's some criticisms. There's some people who get to me, but that one was just funny to me. I was just like, okay, dude, whatever. Yeah. Hate on. Uh, by the way, that's a really good time for us to say, you know, if you like us, uh, rate and review us on uh, iTunes. It really helps. Did you, <laughs> did you read the iTunes reviews lately? I have. They're so sweet. 
they're awesome. You guys are seriously the best. We really appreciate it. I, Genuinely, I like, never look so at nice. rate. I never look at reviews on much of anything, especially my own stuff. But I, right. I, I, for some reason, decided one day, let's go see what people have said so far. And just the ESN feed, like just since we started on ESN. Exactly. They've been fantastic. I have been very heartwarmed. I have too. I mean, I really appreciate it because it makes me feel like I'm doing something that people like to listen to. And I mean, I know I really enjoy the show. It's one of my favorite hours of the week, but (laughs) it makes me feel really good that other people enjoy it too. This episode of Overtired is brought to you by Connected Data, makers of the Transporter personal cloud device. I have a Transporter at my house. I have two of them and I use them for uh, sharing data, sharing files and personal cloud backup. And if you share a folder with someone, you can do it two ways. First, you can share a web link that they can download right from in a web browser, or you can share a secure link that requires a web plugin, and that will be an entirely encrypted transfer, never out in the open. And there's even camera uploads. You can have your iOS device automatically save all of your photos that you take to your transporter, and then from within the app, you can get thumbnail views and you can share those photos with anyone else in your transporter sharing plan. And there's also Transporter Genesis for business environments. Connected Data launched this and it's now shipping. And if your business needs a cloud solution for file syncing and sharing on hardware that it controls, Transporter Genesis might be right for you. Businesses can take one for a free evaluation. So listeners can save 20% off their purchase. That's $20 off on Transporter Sync by using the code TIRED20. When you buy it, filetransporterstore.com. That's www.filetransporterstore.com. And buyers using this code will also get free shipping. So we have about 10 minutes left. I feel like we should talk, and maybe you can enlighten me a little bit, on uh, on why why it's such a big deal that that everyone has realized that their smart TVs are listening to what they say. <laughs> Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we use voice recognition in a lot of applications, and most Tons of it of goes into the cloud. Most of it goes to what could what, what would be deemed a third-party service. And so when this was discovered in Samsung's privacy uh, disclosures, that they, didn't, they warned you that talking about anything in front of your television set would potentially put your conversation into the hands of a third party. I, I feel like, A, that, that should probably have been an opt-in kind of announcement yes, when you set up the completely. TV. Yes. But I I also feel like maybe see Apple did it pretty well with Siri and they made it such that you could like on a Mac you can bypass the the cloud voice uh dictation and yes. you use just a local version after you download some software. But they also made it very clear what was happening to your data and that it was not leaving their hands. Right. And I never read entire privacy agreements. But I no. think the the only issue really with Samsung's handling of the whole thing is they they didn't they didn't disclose it up front. Yeah, I think they didn't disclose it up front and I think the other thing is that the fact that I mean, you know, so I just got the Amazon Echo, which is their new <laughs> I saw you talking to that on a video. Uh, it's a, it's amazing. I, and I put the link to to the Echo um uh a review video in the in the comments and it's uh or in the show notes and it's it's an awesome device it's a bluetooth speaker that you talk to it's basically like siri and a speaker and when i saw it originally when amazon like talked about it uh you have to like get an invite to even buy this thing it's a 100 bucks if you're a prime member 200 dollars without it if you're a prime user it's totally totally worth it um i thought it seemed stupid and kind of like whatever but it actually turns out it's really awesome 
But how it works is, you know, you, you say a code word to it, it starts to listen, and then it records what you're saying. And all that stuff goes to the cloud, and they're using things for voice recognition, but you can see your whole history of queries in the app and it's kind of disconcerting that one sense to see everything that's picked up you saying to it but on the other hand what's nice about it is that it's only recording that stuff it's only listening when you say the word alexa and so that's the only thing that's going to the cloud that's what they tell you just well i'm just kidding they get in so much trouble because immediately when stuff like that comes out there are smart people who sit there with packet analyzers. I was going to say, I was running, like, a, I was I was looking at that stuff, like, to figure out if it was transmitting any data when it's not yeah. saying the code and, word. And, and if a not. company tried to pull shenanigans like that, they'd get called out so fast. Would. It would it, be so it bad for them. It would be so bad for them. So I, I feel like that was the that was Samsung's biggest thing is not having some sort of code word, you know, like having the always listening thing is is okay. I mean, that's kind of what uh, you know Mo- Google was doing with the Moto X smartphone when they owned Motorola, and I guess um, Lenovo was still technically doing with them is that they have you know this always listening thing where you can knock on it and talk to it and it's always there, and that's kind of what what Google now and and Google's voice assistant is sort of doing too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the idea is, I mean, we were, you know, all of our devices are going to be listening to us and it just comes down to a, you know, transparency about it and, and B, um, I guess, awareness on our part that these things are happening. Um, so I think trans, I think that the big thing with Samsung is not disclosing it, first of all, not having it opt out by default, first of all, not disclosing it, not having some sort of safe word. Um, and, and then also, I think the, the thing, too, is you need to make sure if you're doing this, that there's a way, if the company is going to be storing your data or if they're going to be, going to be doing something with it, um, A, it's anonymized. B, that there's a way to, you know, delete all of it. Right. Like, I should be able to tell the company, okay, all of this that you've got, it needs to be removed, like, period. And there, it needs to be gone from your, your, your databases, you know? Yes. And I, I think the vague statement that they put in the in the in the privacy statement was uh maybe divulged to a third party right with no additional details and that right there i mean samsung makes a lot of mistakes they They make billions of dollars worth of mistakes but that like those words right there are enough to make even me just never buy a Samsung smart TV. No, and the thing is is that is and and it's such a stupid, stupid mistake because the thing is they put that in there to legally control it in case they might have some sort of analytics thing or maybe they have some sort of deal and some sort of way where it wouldn't even be nefarious. You know, they're having it in there to hedge their bets just in case something happens, not that they're going to do something. And it's like, then you need to update your agreement and make people agree to, to something yeah, else again exactly. if you issue it. Because you need to issue a firmware update to do that. Don't put that language in there because by being that vague to your point – you know, they think that they're covering themselves legally, but all they're really doing is freaking people out. And they're probably not doing anything bad. They're probably not selling anything to third parties. They're probably keeping everything anonymized. It just comes down to if there's a third party server that's involved in analytics in some way, or that's involved, like maybe we're using nuance, you know, to do the voice recognition stuff. And so it's going to them because they're analyzing, you know, the vocal patterns. So really it's a wording issue. It's a wording issue. Exactly. And so it's like, don't, don't say that. It's like Instagram ran into the same thing, um, right? Not too long after Facebook acquired them, where they, you know, had some wording that made it seem like, oh, you know, we have uh, rights to your photographs, and that wasn't what they were saying at all. But the way that it was phrased and just to basically be used, like, oh, we can use your photos in advertisements, and that's not what they were saying at all. 
uh, people got freaked out. Yeah. They did later come out and have more of those things kind of doing some of that stuff years later. But it was one of those things where they weren't taking anybody's copyright. But just by the very nature of the, the, the program, they're saying, well, if we're going to display this stuff in a certain feed, then we need to have rights to your photo and we need to be able to say okay we've got rights to show this on the web and we've got rights to show this in the app and we've got rights to show this other places not that they are selling it or profit profiting from it but simply that it can be displayed on on another device on another feed they should have the, lawyers work with marketers yeah well or just have <laughs> lawyers work with people who can talk to people you know I mean, not, <laughs> exactly you know, just, just, what I'm just, saying. exactly you know you need to like have like a common sense Eula sort of thing. And and the lawyers don't really want that because they want to be able to, again, like, they want very, coverage. very concise, clear language that leaves loopholes where they need it. Exactly. They need to have loopholes so that they can't get sued and they can they can make arguments. But at the same time, like sometimes by doing that, you end up freaking out people unnecessarily and it becomes a humongous, you know, cluster frack where people are concerned about their TVs listening to them. And it's like, you know, Microsoft went through something similar with the Xbox One where people were really upset about the idea that it's going to be listening to you and is always going to be on. It was connected to the internet and it needed a, an internet connection and all this stuff. And they ended up scrapping a lot of those ideas from the Xbox One before it launched, which was a shame because they got rid of some really cool things that could have happened. And and that's kind of the cost of this, right? I think, like, on the one hand, I I don't like the idea that all of our things are going to be listening to us. And I don't like the idea that... a a record of everything I've ever said in front of a device could exist on a server somewhere. You know, I, I fundamentally don't like that idea. But at the same time, if I put my paranoia aside a little bit, um, I also don't like the idea that I might not be able to talk to my TV and tell it to do something. And <laughs> you, you don't want to give up the convenience. No, because you're willing to sacrifice privacy for that convenience to a certain extent. Yes, if it's anonymized, if my data is anonymized, if they can't tie it back directly to me, absolutely. Do you have a connect? I I do. I do. Um, Have you ever have you ever played the biggest loser game? I have not. It does a body scan and it showed me while I was fully clothed. It showed me what I would look like naked and it was right and huh. that right there made me realize that anyone who has like a an Xbox in their bedroom with a connect on it yep connected to Xbox Live is you could easily broadcast very pornographic uh details of your sex life oh totally you could but I mean but the accidentally same the thing's got night vision I mean, look, the same is true for people who, you know, they've got attacks where people's, you know, webcams are yeah. turned on and they don't know it, Yahoo! you know, and they had the light not on. I mean, exactly. And, and it gets transmitted. I mean, you know, I know people who are really paranoid who always cover up their front facing camera on their laptops. I do that. Tape. <laughs> I do that. At least when I'm doing nasty things. Sure. Which, which <laughs> I mean, absolutely. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's, I mean, to a certain extent, I think paranoia is justified. And then to a certain extent, I feel like. But the convenience is really there. And it was it, it's funny that this is kind of happening around the Samsung thing because I've been having this conversation with people about the Echo because it's a really great product. And some people are like, I just don't like the idea of something listening to me all the time in my house. And I'm saying I really dig being able to say to my stereo, to my Bluetooth speaker, Alexa, play overtired, you know, and it'll play the over it'll it'll start overtired on tune in or, or, or Alexa you know, uh, play Taylor Swift and it'll start playing Taylor Swift or Alexa, what's the weather or Alexa, you know, read me the news and it'll do those things. I so, like that. It's so much fast. like, much like some of my, uh, more dangerous exploits, it all comes down to having a safe word. Basically. Yes. 
this um, all comes down. And I think we have a show title. <laughs> the dangers of not having a safe word. Yes. Um, there you go. Um, yeah. The safe word is Alexa. Yeah. Well, my Mac, I, I use the spoken items, the voice assistants. I've used it yes. for years. Like there's an STFU command on my computer. So if I were to say that out loud right now, it would mute everything. That's amazing. Um, and, and I have a whole bunch of just bizarre commands so I can, I can say my computer's name and then it'll listen and then I can say stuff, but that's all local. Like that's all, you know, but I've been doing that for years and I do, I love, I love voice command. I love my leap. I, I love all kinds of bizarre input devices. And I understand that some of the, Best ones can't function without cloud. Right. Well, I mean, because that's the whole thing is that if you want to be able to not be processor intensive, like obviously your Mac can do it locally because your Mac is powerful. But if you're thinking about like your smartphone, you don't want battery to be dead. But my Mac can't interpret. Like my Mac can, my Mac can hear commands that I told it I'm going to say. Precisely. But it can't, it, right, exactly. And it can't spin on a dime and it can't do new things for you, right. you know, which is what's really exciting about stuff like Siri and, and Cortana exactly. and, and for yep. and Alexa, like it can learn that stuff and it can tell you new things and you can talk to it like a regular person. I mean, you know, what's been great about the Amazon Echo is that it works really well um, to the point that when it doesn't work, it's frustrating. Um, fortunately, that doesn't happen very often because you become so used to it working well that you talk to it so naturally and it works so quickly you want it to do more like that was the one kind of thing i was running into when i was reviewing it and the people in the office were kind of running into is that they saw how cool it was and they immediately wanted it to be able to do everything like what's the price of this and how does this work and whatnot and those aren't there yet um they're gonna have an api though they actually have an api and they want people to build stuff on it which i think is super exciting so that is that is to me to me that's what makes or breaks a product unless apple's doing it because somehow they get away without apis but right. for the rest of the world, an API makes or breaks any platform. And I, I mean, technically, Apple succeeded. The iPhone succeeded because of the App Store, because which is App entirely Store. an API. It's completely an API. I mean, so. it was a success before that, but it was the App Store that really made it. No, but you're, you're exactly right. What, what I guess you mean is that like, they don't have an API for Siri, even though, ironically, right. Siri started as an API. It started as, as an app that they bought. Or for any uh, of the, like the iCloud stuff. or Precisely. I, it, it, see, I should say outside of an a, a sandbox application. I just mean there's no REST API for their, right. their cloud services. But their cloud services generally fail. Their public-facing cloud services have historically met untimely deaths. Well, boys and girls, that last 15 minutes is how you get your podcast linked or r- ranked as a gadget podcast. After yes. spending 45 minutes talking about Kanye West and Beyonce <laughs> and Valentine's Day, you talk about Samsung for 15 minutes and you get to be a gadget podcast. I was going to say, I'm not really sure why we're a gadget podcast. We're a culture podcast. If anything. If anything, you know, I mean, because we spend more time talking about like John Stewart and Beyonce and Beck and Kanye West and music. We spend way more time talking about culture than we do about tech. But you know what? I think that's because for both of us, like we do tech all day, but yeah. we love culture. Like it's just we talk about our lives is really what it is. Yeah, that, it's it's a very personal podcast. It is a very personal podcast. And uh, again, thank you for all the reviews that you guys have left on um, on iTunes. Um, that really does help. You can also follow us on uh, at ovrtrd on Twitter. We're bad at maintaining the account, but I'm trying to get better about it. And and also you can interact with the two of us on Twitter. I'm film underscore girl. He's tt scoff. TT ha, uh, and uh, we're uh, we're really. This was fun. This is good. This is good.
This is good. I should get some sleep. I, you should get I, some sleep. I did find a new shrink, and I will sum this up in 15 seconds by telling you that after laying out all of my options for my bipolar and ADHD combination, my, yes. my ultimate choice was I can either get fat or I can be crazy. So you're going to get fat. I am probably going to get fat, yeah. Uh, we're going to have to talk more about this next week. We're going we're gonna to have to have a whole episode, I think, dedicated to really breaking this stuff down. <laughs> I think that's what shrinks are for. I think it is. But frankly, it's, you know, it, it's interesting to our, our audience as well, I, I think. We'll find out. We'll find out. Let us know in, in, in the iTunes reviews or let us know on Twitter. Don't rank us poorly just because you don't want to hear about Brett being fat or crazy. <laughs> yes. Please bring customer support requests to our support line and not to our review line. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. No, but uh, I know I, I my my husband has been traveling and he needs to get back in the room where I'm recording this. So uh, no, I uh, this was this was fun. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening and get some sleep, Christina. Get some sleep, guys. YouTube Brett. This system is going down low.